Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Girl Boss Radio from Panoply. I am Sophia Amoruso, the founder of Nasty Gal, the founder of Girl Boss, the author of the New York Times bestselling book Girl Boss, and the author of the recently released book Nasty Galaxy. On this podcast, I interview a different woman who's carved out a path for herself. We trace her from her first job to how she got to where she is today to extract solid advice for our listeners who are doing the same with their lives. Today's guest is celebrity hair colorist and co-owner of Mesh Salon, Tracy Cunningham. You may not know Tracy, but you definitely know her work. She's colored the famous locks of Jennifer Lopez, Lily Aldridge, Khloe Kardashian, and yours truly. She got her start working for none other than Bette Midler, who put her through beauty school. Afterwards, Tracy quickly rose through the ranks at the best salons in L.A., Art Luna, Sally Hirschberger, and Byron and Tracy, among others. In 2012, she and stylist Neil Weisberg teamed up to combine the best of styling and coloring in the business with Mesh. We're so happy Tracy could join us at the Girl Boss Studios today. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. So, Tracy, you just got back from Paris. I did last, well, this morning oh at 12.30 a.m. Oh, my God. Have you slept? Yes. It's like 1 p.m. here in Los Angeles now. So, I know. I did. So you slept I, a little. Yeah. I came home and watched TV and then fell asleep around 2.30. What were you doing in Paris? I was doing a house call. And what does that mean in your world? That means that my client needed her base done. Uh So I flew to Paris to do her base color. So that's just like brown or what? Mm -hmm. It's like your hair. What's so special about your base color? I want to know. Like, I feel like brown hair is like kind of like brown hair. I don't know. I I mean, obviously, you're like the best in the game at what you do. But for this woman, like, what do, you, what do you think it is that has her bring you across the world? Well, she once said to me that she said, I am addicted to you like sugar. You oh, know how people wow. have an addiction to yeah. sugar? <laughs> so I'm pretty lucky that she does because I really like her a lot. And Paris is pretty cool. Yeah. Do you color your own hair? I don't. Can you see my gray? Oh, yeah, a little. Mm-hmm. Have you ever? I have, like years ago. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I start this podcast with the same question, which wasn't the one that I just asked you. And it's, you know, where you got your start. So I'm so curious, Tracy, what was your first job? My first job was at Safeway. Oh, cool. Yeah, Safeway. What did you do at Safeway? Um, I was the the bagger. I bagged groceries. Cool. So if you if it looked like you were having a party, I would ask you. I would say, oh, are you having a party? What's happening? You know, <laughs> and get invited to parties. Amazing. That was my next, <laughs> next question. Yeah. And my dad said, it's such a good business to be in. People always want food. (laughs) That's so funny. How old were you? Um, Like 15. Cool. So you started work young. Yeah. My second job was working at Jean Moraes. Is that? Um, that? It's it's a hair salon in Seattle. And I was doing the laundry, washing towels, folding towels, offering people market spice tea and coffee. Cool. I was the housekeeper. Cool. And now you have someone doing that at your salon. Yes. Cool. And, you know, I think that's really important when you run a business to have done as much of the roles that are there as possible because you know what it's like to be the person who has that job. And some jobs are really unglamorous. I I just wanted to be there. I just I needed to be there because it was the place to be. And I was soaking up everything. Yeah. I was, you know, folding towels no and annoying intended, people. No pun intended. Soaking yeah. up. 
Yeah, just <laughs> literally like, you know, just watching everybody. And then on my days off, I would say to the girls at school, okay, so I want to do this thing on you. Or I've got to cut your hair into a bob. I've got to make you blonde. You know, I've got to, you know. So fun. Yeah. Were you a girly girl or did you just gravitate? I mean, people, I don't know. I feel like when you're young and you're like doing no, other I'm, people's hair. No, like, no, no. I was a total girly girl. I think I was just a normal girl. Yeah. But like when I read your book, Girl Boss, like you would have been my friend, like for sure. Cool. Like we, I mean, shopped at thrift stores and, you know, we just, had fun. We had fun in the 80s. You were younger than me, though. Oh, you could. But we had so... The 80s sounded really The fun. 80s were great, but reading your book brought me back. Like, you were also kind of like one of our kind of girls. Yeah. I worked at a dry cleaner and separated shirts by starch level mm-hmm. and scrubbed the ring around the collar off of men's shirts. Mm-hmm. It's so disgusting. Anyway, it's similar to the to the towel job. Yes. Um, so you just were naturally interested in hair. Since I, mean, I was eight years old. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. I think that's really rare that someone is so possessed by one thing at such a young age. And I just had such a pretty it. mom and I just always wanted to do her up. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you have siblings? Mm-hmm. How many? I have a sister and two brothers. So you worked at a salon in Seattle and then did you go to beauty school? No, of what course ha- not. What happened next? I decided that I was really sad about this guy and that I knew that my car wouldn't make it to L.A. or to – no, to La Jolla. So I convinced this girl who had a really nice car to move to California with me. Amazing. I mean, I just – I did nothing normal. Uh-huh. Nothing, you know – I've done that. Nothing thought to out. friends. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like – I might have even, like, not even really liked this girl. I just wanted her <laughs> I can't afford car. this place, so can you just, like, be my roommate or – yeah, totally. Yeah, and I just said, hey, let's move to California. And so you moved to L.A.? No, I moved to La Jolla. Cool. I worked at two different real estate offices. I worked at Merrill Lynch as the receptionist, and then I went to the jelly company, and then I worked for a guy named um, Mike Bruno. He said, hey, why don't you just be my assistant? Uh-huh. And anyways, years later, I found out that Mike Bruno op- – Does he do first dibs? Yes. Okay, yeah. That's so funny. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I've met him. Yeah. He's That's awesome. Amazing. He was so fun to work for. Wow. He would like do a really big sale uh-huh. and he would say, okay, so they were they were saying that they would have no money for food after they just bought this house. So let's go around. I want you to go to all the restaurants and we're going to get them little gift cards for all these restaurants. Did he do real estate? Yes. And then he, he got into furniture. Yes. Okay, interesting. Yes. Oh, cool. I yeah. didn't know his story. Yeah. So, wow. like, can you imagine? I'm, like, 18 years old working uh-huh. for Mike Bruno. He's, like, so cool. Yeah. Such great taste. Yeah. Um, he always had the best taste. So w- at what point does hair come into the exactly. equation again? <laughs> okay. So then I moved to L.A. I wanted to move to L.A. So a friend of mine was working for Sally Struthers. She said that I could come and live at her house while I was looking for, you know, a place to live. So I got a job at PMK. Oh, really? (laughs) It's a PR PR agency. (laughs) That's amazing. And and then I met Bette Midler. Uh And I – she was working – she was doing for the boys and her nanny had quit. So I interviewed for the job and I said, okay, I'll do it for a year and this could be fun. And anyway, so I just – I went to Hawaii with her and 
and she was like trying to do her hair. And I said, let me do it. Let me do it. So, and I was obsessed with her hairdresser, um, Robert Ramos, who's still her hairdresser. Yeah, she's got like a specific hair. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And she's just so fabulous. So every morning I would, I would make breakfast and make her coffee, come upstairs with cookbooks. You know, she would read cookbooks and we'd decide what we were going to make for dinner. And then I would style her hair. It was so fun. And then when she decided to move, she was like, I actually got a job. I actually got a job with someone else. And she said her words exactly. I don't want you schlepping for anyone else. I want you to go to beauty school. Oh, man. (laughs) So I was like, okay. So I went to beauty school. How did you So it was that? such a big – she paid for it. Oh, my God. Yes. So you went to beauty school. Thanks, Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm guessing you graduated. I did. And Thank then, God. And then what happened? I barely did. <laughs> I went over to my friend Laura Aldrich's and she said, oh, my God, I have to show you the new um, cover that Miles just did. Miles is her stepson. And it was the new W, and it said Hollywood's hippest hairdresser on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, a hairdresser that commands, like, gets their name on the cover of a magazine? Like, what is this? So I opened it up, and it was Art Luna. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, my God, I have to work here. And randomly, Don Schnabel, who did the garden for Bet, mm-hmm. did his garden. Yeah, Art does gardens now. No, I know, but before that, he did He came over my house once, and I almost worked with him. Yeah. But, yeah. So (laughs) So he he didn't do gardens back then at all. He was was just like the coolest hairdresser. What did you do for him? I was an an assistant at his salon. Cool. Yeah. And how long did that go on before you became a stylist or, you know? Like two and a half, three years. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's important, I think— to know that, you know, because for so many of our listeners and just for my generation, and I can't say that I'm very different. We want things right now. Yeah. Um, two and a half, three years is like, you know, you feel like at 22, you feel like you're going to be 30 by the time that's over, but not at all. You're like 25 or something, right. you know. How old were you at this point? I think I was 24 or 25. 24 cool. or 25. Yeah. Cool. And then how did you get out of, you know, how did you graduate from the assistant position eventually? Well, I started working with Sher- this girl, Sherry, at his salon, and she decided to take off Saturdays. And listen, if I were like most of the people that I work with or I went to school with, I would be like, cool, I'm off on Saturdays now, uh-huh. you know. But instead, I came in on Saturdays and worked. Yeah. And I asked Art, is it okay if I come in and work? And I did that every single Saturday. And... He looked at me one day and said, you have to be on the floor. You should totally be on the floor. I'm going to put you on the floor. And it was the scariest thing. It was something that I wanted. It was like music to my ears. But, of course, I was scared. But you went out there and you were like, you know, there's no no one to catch you. You're not assisting someone at their own work. You're 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 the beginning and the end. Yes. So that was terrifying. But you know what? That's when you get better. You can only get better by doing – the more you do, the better you get. Yeah. What I found is what makes you a good colorist or not is if, you know, anyone can do highlights on you. Anyone can do a base or whatever. But when there's a problem, that's when I realized that I was – that I had something because I really knew what to do when there was a problem. 
So you started filling it on Sundays. Yeah. Saturdays. 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 Um, and just go from there to opening mesh. From Art Luna, I went to Sally Hirschberger's, John Frieda. Yeah. And I just remember the first day promising myself I wouldn't fall into the pool. They had a big pool in the middle of the oh salon. And it was really scary because, I mean, I don't know. You know at Mesh, at our salon, like everybody's friends, everybody's nice. And at that place, it was like everyone was too cool for school. And I was Ugh. so nervous about yeah. being there, yeah. you know. And once you got to know them, they were all great. But, you know, at first it was just like – and I remember thinking, oh, my God, it was my first day. It was the very beginning of the day. And I was like, God, their clients are so beautiful. And then the client started – um, sweeping. And I'm like, what is she sweeping for? And then I realized that she worked there. Uh-huh. And it was <laughs> it was Alyssa who works at our salon now as a hairstylist. Amazing. But she was the coolest. She was so cool. I thought for sure she was a client. I don't know. It was just so, so different. Mm-hmm. There were, you know, there was mean girls there. There was, yeah. you know. You know, the funny thing about mean girls or like the too cool for school attitude is that when you encounter it at first in life, you are like, oh, my gosh, this is so scary. I don't belong here. And, I mean, I just – I still don't belong in places like that because I don't enjoy it. But after you've been exposed to it long enough and you, like, get old enough or whatever, confident enough to realize, like, those people are all, like, super insecure and that's totally bogus, you go into environments like that and you actually kind of, like, secretly scoff and feel bad for people. You're just like, you just keep acting – you're just super nice and, like – if, you know, somebody's a dick, it just kind of like rolls off of you. Yeah. And it's totally on them. It's like the way people are with other people usually has more to do with them than than you. you right. Know? At the end of the day, it's just like something I've, I've learned. How long were you at Sir Sally Hirschberger? Um, I don't even know. It's like um, a job interview. I know. It's like maybe a few years. Okay. And then my friend Neil was opening up a salon. He, he asked me if I would go, and I was like, well, sure. And I thought, you know, it would be nice to not work at such a corporate place and to work, you know, for like a mom-and-pop shop. So I went there. Mm-hmm. And that was Neil Salon. Mm-hmm. What was that called? It was called Neil George. Okay. I've mm-hmm. heard that. And he's your partner now. He's my partner now. Is he ever at the salon? I don't – Every day. I don't know what he looks he's like. He's amazing. I don't know what he looks like. He's so. amazing. He's – Always saying hello to people. You come a lot on Mondays where he's not there. Okay. But he's there and he's – if he sees somebody wandering around and looks lost, he always says cool. hello to them. And cool. he's really a great person and so what sad. Was it, what was it like opening a salon? I mean that is a whole nother undertaking from, you know, working with other people who had established salons, you know – there's real estate, there's the build, there's, you know, hiring a team and, you know, running the salon. Um, was that scary? We thought we're so clever. We're, we're moving into a place that already had, like, it was already a salon. So we thought it already has water. It already has everything. Mm-hmm. And it, we had to redo everything. Uh-huh. It was over a million dollars for the build out. Wow. It was so crazy. And I was not expecting that. It's a beautiful salon. Thank you. But we had to – it was gutted. It was dirt. It was a pile of dirt. Wow. And we had to take off the ceiling and, you know. Did you put those skylights in? Yes. So nice. We did everything. We had a great architect. And so who runs the salon today? Neil. Okay. 
So people report to him. Is there a reporting structure? Do people rent chairs? Like what? what's that? How does it all work? It's uh, freelancers. Um, that's what it's called, contractors? Yes. Yeah. Did you know you were an entrepreneur or just a hair – or like, you know, I mean, every, no. every hairstylist is an entrepreneur. Like that's something that I've I don't said believe before. that. You don't? No. Don't they work for themselves though? They do. And that's a problem. <laughs> 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 How about I'll be like – like, you know, rolling in it. I'll, I'll be coming home from Africa uh-huh. and going straight to the salon meeting somebody. Uh-huh. And they'll be like, why didn't you just say no? And I'm like, I really can't take advice from you right now because you were not <laughs> successful. So yeah. can you just wow. be quiet? I guess I'm driven. And because I'm in the service business, that is the most important thing about our job. When somebody's like, you know, I couldn't get into you. I'm like, well, then you didn't contact me because uh-huh. you would have gotten in. And so, I don't care. You don't have to be famous. Okay. You just I was have curious to be my about client. that. Yeah. Because I've seen Cameron Diaz in your chair. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. But you see a lot of also normal people in my chair that have been with me for 15, 20 years. Totally. So like I will literally do anything for them. Yeah. So when you moved, when you moved to Mesh, did a lot of your cl- did most of your clients come with you? Yes. What, how do you feel like you build that loyalty over time with people? Is it just um, – I mean, there's talent. Obviously, it's like I need her talent. But like there's a relationship aspect to it. There's a total relationship aspect to it. I feel like – I don't know what it is. I just – I really love my clients. Yeah. I really do. Have you ever fired a client? Yes. A bunch of times in Hollywood probably? Yes. What does it take to piss you <laughs> off that much? You know, sometimes people can just be really annoying. And and the other day, my client sat down and she said, Tracy, I just need you to do something different to my hair. I need you to give me that, like, pop or that, that something. And I said, can we talk about what the real problem is? <laughs> and she's like, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like you have been so sad. And I feel like I can't give this to you through your hair. I will do the best I can with your hair. But sometimes it comes out internal. You know what I mean? They, wow. What did she say? She said, I know. I mean, we talk about these things. Yeah. I even gave her my number to talk about, you know, yeah. if she needed me. Modern life is stressful. Yeah. Man, I mean, I've been there where I'm like, I don't know why I'm going blonde, but <laughs> – I don't, you know, my eight month marriage is like on the brink of collapse and I have no idea, you know? Yeah. Sometimes we try to treat the symptom or, I mean, hair is not a symptom, but, you know, just no, making ourselves make ourselves feel differently in ways that are um, <laughs> healthier than others. How about I'll say to my clients, will you please just go to Barney's and buy yourself some really cool boots, uh-huh. some makeup? Just do that. Don't have me change your hair color. Like really drastically. I wanted to shave my head like a week ago. Yeah. I was like, maybe I'll just go super duper short. (laughs) And then I was like, I don't know. You have to really like your profile. Um, What do you think the power of like hair color is really? Because you you transform people every day. And I think, you know, I've been in fashion for a decade. I think people can think that beauty and fashion are like vapid things sometimes. But, you know, when you're actually there every day seeing what it does in people's lives, I feel like it's pretty different. What have you kind of witnessed? Are there any cool stories about someone who's like transformed their look and like transformed their life? You know, what's so funny. I had to do this little girl, her hair for like, it was a show, it was a TV show. And she had to go blonde. 
And she came in and she was just coming off a movie and she was really tired. And her mom brought her in and I was doing Drew Barrymore and she was like, what is she doing? I'm like, we're coloring her hair. And it brought it back for Drew because she used to have to color her hair when she was a little girl. Uh And it was so funny. This girl was so tired. She'd just come from the set. She was like, no, no energy. Slunk down in the chair. And then when I finished, literally it was like, oh my God. It was like it was like she couldn't stop looking at herself. Uh huh. And that is the power of color. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Totally. It's like I know for sure that that girl is hooked for the rest of her life. Oh no, that, <laughs> poor kid. It's and gonna then, be really. She's gonna have no, to have a great career if she wants to. No, but like keep that's coming. just a small, a small piece of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. It really can just change your whole life. It's weird. The first girl that I color, I colored her hair. I remember there was like a big announcement. You know when you're in school and you get new students coming into class. Okay, tomorrow we have a new student. She's coming from Norway. Uh-huh. And for some reason we just figured she was going to look so different. And she comes in and she has that really pretty like level eight mousy hair that like, you know, the Calvin Klein models all have. Uh-huh. It's like kind of neither here nor there. It's yeah. not blonde and it's not brown and it's nothing. And it looks so pretty on a 14-year-old that's skin and bones and has hair down to below her breast. Mm-hmm. And But it didn't look good on this girl. And I kept thinking about it. I don't know what it was. It was bothering me. And I said, I turned around because I wasn't a good student. We were in French class. And I said, you know what it is? You either have to go really dark or really blonde. Uh-huh. And she looked at me and said, really blonde. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so we went to – she invited me over to her house on Friday night for a sleepover. And I barely knew her, but I wanted to change her hair. So we went to Fred Meyers and we bought a box. Fred Meyers. Yeah. That's where I got arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So we bought <laughs> – we picked a box color, you know, and yeah. then I just – I was – she looked beautiful. Is it possible to get good results from box color? Absolutely. When you're Norwegian and you have like level eight hair, for <laughs> sure. When you're like, you know, when you think you're a color chameleon and you think that putting one box color over another box color, it's not happening. Mm-mm. Not happening. Yeah. What was I? I still have no idea what I was when I was blonde. Or like, it's so weird. You know to what look was so weird? In the mirror. She would, you would walk in when you were blonde. And sometimes I wouldn't recognize you. It would take me a minute. No, that happened a lot. And it was kind of – I felt like I was pranking people. It felt mean because they were like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Just They'd email me later and be like, oh, when I ran into you, I know who you are. I just totally didn't recognize you. They I didn't felt recognize bad. you. Yeah. I had to be like, wait, who is this? It's too far off the, it's too far off the mark. Yeah. But you know what? I was like, remember the first time I ever met you? I was like, oh my god, she's the coolest person. Oh, in the you're whole so world. sweet. No, you are. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Um, I don't know. I just I'm like a girl with a runny nose in a small room with you. <laughs> I feel very lucky. You know what? Did it, what do you think it is that separates a good stylist from a great stylist, or a successful stylist from someone who can just make a living as a stylist? I really feel like you need to communicate with your client, and I've been guilty of this being really busy and not. But every once in a while, you'll, you know, you'll think, wait, I wonder what happened to this person. And, you know, it might have been that you weren't communicating with her. You might not have 
shown that person you care. You could be a you could be a hairstylist and you could be watching another hairstylist or colorist and go, their client's hugging them goodbye, and you're like, oh my God, her hair's awful. Why, you know, what's going on? Sometimes it's not even about the hair. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's about the relationship between it's a little bit of therapy. It is. Coming into that salon, I mean, there's I've been there were times where I was there a lot and I've wondered about like what I was going through. Just the element of community maybe that I was seeking or you know, it's a place where you can kind of be alone and like watch other people. And mm-hmm. It's a good people someone, watching place. Interact with someone who who's touching you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Who's, whose colors requested the most of anybody? All time, Lily Aldrich. Okay. So you've been in the beauty industry for a very long time. And I know, you know, every day you're exposed to the, you know, the hair world. But I imagine that you're tuned in to what's going on in the beauty world in general. And I'm just so curious what your beauty routine is. Well, I don't color my hair. Why? Because... I just don't have the time to keep it up. Amazing. And I did color my hair um, a long time ago. You know what? I saw a picture of a little girl. So I, and she was having her ninth birthday. So I remember I hadn't colored it way before her mom got pregnant. So maybe 10 years. Wow. So I love microcurrent. Okay. I have a little microcurrent machine. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is that? Those are those little dots, those. I don't know what it is. It's um, I've heard of it. Yeah, they're the coolest things. They just I think they help you stay younger. Triangle, no balls on it. Balls on it. Yes. Yeah, and it kind of like you massage your face a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of that. I love that. I use my uh, DMH. What's that? It's a Medispa on the on Larchmont. Oh, they have all these amazing products. Cool. Yeah, and I use their products. and I also use, I'm obsessed with Goop's uh, melting cleanser. Yeah. It's yeah, it's great. Incredible. Like I've never experienced, like I feel like when I wash my face, I look younger because it's all like really nice oils and yeah. so great. Like that's one of my favorite products ever. I can't live without that. I'm not really a big beauty person, so um, – I recently started seeing Dr. Barbara Strum, hmm. and she's from Dusseldorf, Germany. Okay. She is amazing. Um, I was afraid to do Botox, and she uh-huh. was like, no, 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 no. Because I said, well, I've had all these allergies, and I'm really scared. And she's like, have you had any mouth work? And I said, yes. Yeah. She said, anesthesia? Yes. She said, you can do Botox. So she did Botox on me, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing (laughs) I've ever done. I mean, could you Botox my whole body? Uh I was so excited, and I'm due for it. Okay. But she's not going to be here till February. I, I just texted you her. You'll only like, see her. You'll only see her. I was like, are you – I said, are you going to be in um, in uh, Paris? I'm going to be in Paris this weekend. She's like, no. It's pretty cool. It actually smooths out like your whole forehead. It's so nice. I'm sweating. I've done it a couple times, and one time it was too much, and so I couldn't move at anything. Like it's okay if it just kind of like keeps you from having like – jelly rolls on your forehead yeah but when you can't like actually move anything and that goes away you know it it dissipates but i'm so expressive with my face like you can't i can't hide emotions 
And if I can't like move my face, I actually can't feel things. It's like being like a prisoner in your I own understand. face. I understand. It's intense. I've seen it in clients. It makes me de- it makes me depressed because I can't process things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, be careful with that stuff, guys. But she um, doesn't overdo it. Yeah, you just have to be careful. Um, and you travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you have any travel hacks, like travel tips, like anything that makes it like less painful to travel as much as you do, or to travel just? So I just keep a whole thing in my suitcase. Like I have toiletries in my suitcase. I have already prepackaged underwear. Totally. Yeah. Um, I have face masks. Yeah. I have the SK masks. Yes. I just got SK2. some of those. Yeah. JLo uses them. So Amazing. <laughs> if it's good enough for JLo. I mean. Yeah. I got some at the duty free <laughs> on my way back from Australia. I was yeah. Like on the plane. Like. Uh, yes. Yeah. I have a separate set of toiletries for travel mm-hmm. that is separate. I mean, yeah. if, if you can afford to do that, yes. just having something you can throw in a bag overnight, you know, yes. stay at a guy's house or, yeah. you know, I haven't done that in a while. But for travel, it's so nice to have. I just try to keep it really simple. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you could power brunch with any girl boss, who would it be? Girl boss? I would say my friend Jen Atkin because we get stuff done when we're together. Cool. That's amazing. <laughs> like I call, I just called her and I was like, why don't we do a class on like a cruise ship? Oh. You know, like I'm like, I'm like, there are gay cruises, Jen. Why can't we have one? <laughs> or why can't we just go on one? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we'll do a, you know, let's do, let's do a main addicts class. You That's know, the best. That's actually such a great response. No one's ever said, like, I would want to, like, co-conspire with someone that I just love, like, working with and coming up with ideas with. Like, that really is the ultimate, like, yeah, yeah. power brunch. Yeah. Is. I mean, I feel like I feel like I've done very well and I'm really happy with my career and where it's taken me, you know. And then you see Jen Atkin and she is just like – Killing it and just. Do you feel like she's, she's like next level? Or she something? is next level. She's like her hair products she, are great, but she is like she just gets things done. So like if I want something to get done, I just call her. Cool, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, because I don't have to be that person. I'm not that person. To what? I'm different. I'm different. I'm not someone who gets things done. Done. I can post on my Instagram. Hey, I'm going to teach a class on you know this Sunday or you know. Anyone want to come? And they do. And it's great, you know. <laughs> but if I want to do like Hawaii, I call Jenna. I'm like, let's do a class in Hawaii. Or in, and she'll figure it out. Or in Australia. Yeah. And she'll do it. Well, she's got like, I mean, it's. And I feel like she, we're family. I feel like she's, you know what I mean? Like, I love her so much. And, you know, I can just. Yeah. She's turned, you know, what could have been like a, a one person kind of like influencer. Yes. You know, ambassador business into, you know, a, a bit of a content business and yeah, her own like product line. Yes. Do you ever want to have your own product line? No. <laughs> cool. I could have many you're clear, times. You're clear on it. Yeah. I'm totally clear on it. That's cool. That's so important. Sometimes it's it's dangerous to be like, well, I can, so why shouldn't I? Yeah. I will, you know, and then you find yourself with a lifestyle that you're like, holy yeah. shit, what did I just say yes to? Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you're busy enough. So I'm busy enough and I, I have so much going on that I just it, – it, it takes a certain type of personality. And I've known Jen since she was an assistant. And she is very tenacious and very good at what she does. She needs to come on this podcast. Yes. 
So one question I ask everyone who comes on this podcast is, what was your girl boss moment of the last week? And a girl boss moment is just that time that you took for yourself, which could be, you know, the time you watched TV this morning before you went to bed or, um, you know, booking a class on a cruise ship because you wanted to. It could be career. It could be personal. But just a moment in the last week that you can really say, like, I lived my life deliberately and I did this for me. Well, last weekend I was in Thailand and my family was – we were all on a cruise together and through Asia and I left them. They were on their way. They left for Singapore and I met up with the Olaplex people in in Thailand. Oh, wow. And we just had like the best day just doing – going to a Thai massage place. (laughs) Like. You know, yeah. we have Korean spas there, here. Yeah. yeah. We went to a cool. something very similar. Did they walk on you? She, I, whatever she did, it was amazing. <laughs> you were like, I was out. It was amazing. And then I was taking my flight to Barcelona and. You went from Thailand to Barcelona? Yes. Oh my God. I, I went to do Shakira. Oh my gosh. That's so yeah. intense. So I arrive and it was the first class lounge and they were like, um, we give everyone a complimentary Thai massage. <gasps> and I'm like, stop it. That's this amazing. So amazing. So I actually got two massages that day. And I've- two massages in a day in between like two international flights. That's it, great. Amazing, right? Yeah. Like that never happens. Combining so was- work and pleasure. Yeah. And Olaplex, I, I do want to mention just because it's such a like amazing product. Um, and I feel like there's probably so many people out in the world who are coloring their hair who have never heard of it. For our listeners, what is Olaplex? You know, Dean and Darcy Crystal came to me one day and they said, we'd love for you to try our product. And I said, well, you know, I don't really do that because I am with I'm a spokesperson for Redken and um, they said, listen, it's just an additive that you put inside your bleach, and it helps save the hair from breaking. Because when you're coloring your hair, you're coloring it, you're breaking bonds. So you don't want to put too much in because then the product won't work because it won't allow you to break bonds because that's how well it works. Uh-huh. So you only put a certain amount in. Wow. And it's amazing. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, I'll I'll try it. And I – I had a client who was going from uh, red to blonde, and previously she'd already been blonde. So it was a hard job to do anyways. Her hair was breaking off in foils, and I said, I can't do this. So I thought of her, and I called her, and I said, listen, Angie, there's a product I want to try. Would you mind letting me try it on your hair? She came over, and I said, I'm going to start in the back, and I'm going to use 40 volume and a quarter ounce of Olaplex, and we'll see. And if your hair breaks off in the back, it's fine because <laughs> <laughs> no one's looking. No one's looking. Just she, she agreed to it. So I put it in her hair. I started highlighting her. And lo and behold, her hair was intact. I was literally calling everybody around me going, you guys, come and look at this. Come and look at this. Isn't this amazing? Isn't this amazing? And obviously, I could leave it on for five hours and it would break off. But when you have a tool like that, that helps a colorist be able to push the envelope a little bit more, but to never be stupid, obviously, yeah. you know, it was amazing. So I called him up and I said, listen, what I like about this product is I still use the same products I've always used. 
and the same shampoo and conditioners I've always used. But it changes nothing, yet it changes everything. Yeah. You know, I've used it ever since. And when you use it at home, it just relinks the bonds in your hair and makes your hair stronger. Yeah. It does not condition it. So I've had a few people come back and say, oh, my hair didn't feel soft afterwards. I'm like, it's not a conditioner. Yeah. So you do shampoo and condition it out. I have it at home. But it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Just a FYI for all you ladies with hair on your heads. Yeah. Cool. I, I was doing this girl, <laughs> somebody with really bleached out hair that I, I – just found out that she used the product and she was like, if you don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> like that was her mm-hmm. tagline for Olaplex, which I love. That's amazing. Tracy, thank you so much. Thank this you. This has been so fun. Thank you. Yeah. And now for some girl boss moments. Girl boss moments are a time in your week when you felt like you were in control of your life, which you are, but it doesn't always feel that way. That could mean getting a raise, finishing a project, or receiving an award. Whatever it is to you, you can send in your girl boss moments at hashtag girlbossmoment via Twitter or Instagram. I read them on this podcast and then we pick our favorite girl boss moment and publish it on girlboss.com along with a lot of other awesome exclusive content. KT at KGIOO25 says, boss just texted me after my shift and said I killed it today. I'm interning as a social media assistant. Lindsay at Lindsay X Lou says, fixing my dryer that had not worked properly for months without calling my boyfriend or dad for help. Uh, Mary Sue Somyak at Mary Sue 20 says, workout, get ready, work, social media week, work, social media week, book club, choir, collapse, full day, but great day. Whoa. I thought that was like a week, not a day. Haley at HH Mills featured on Etsy's homepage editor's picks for the second time in just a few months. Amazing. Mandy Morello at Mandy, Mandy underscore Morello says, had my first intern today and she was a delight. Julia LaFelt at Julia LaFelt says, have vacation days to use before the end of the year, so just booked a 10-day trip to Italy. Wow. Nice. I'd like to join you. So my girl boss moment in the last week, gosh, I guess it would be uh, being – Across the world, uh, when my company is going through a really hard time, that wasn't the plan. But that's what happened. And I was in front of a thousand women in Australia and had to speak about uh, a little bit of a crisis that Nasty Gal's going through, which we'll get through and we'll be fine. So, yeah, and just having so much support and realizing that this is my first company and that it's been a decade and I've gotten really far and I'm still proud of that. But um, still have so much to learn, I would say, was my girl boss moment. Anyway, don't mean to bum you out. If you guys have any girl boss related life questions, call 1-844-GIRLBOSS and I'll answer them the following week on the podcast. You call the number, ask your question, we'll play your recorded question on the podcast. So send me your questions all about being a girl boss, questions like asking for a raise, work attire, taking time off, relationships, whatever it is. When it comes to being a girl boss, I want to hear from you and know what you're thinking about. So let's get into it. Hi, um, my name is Jasmine. I'm calling because I have a question. Um, so I've been in business, I own a jewelry business, and I've been in business for seven months. And I've gotten a lot of compliments and praises from other jewelry designers and people about my jewelry. But nobody's trying to actually buy it. So I'm not really sure if I should continue my entrepreneurial journey because, I mean, I love jewelry. I can I can picture myself doing anything else. 
But at one point, do you throw in the towel in a business that you're not really, you know, that nobody's really into? So that is my question. Thanks. At what point do you throw in the towel? In terms of throwing in the towel, I would say, in my experience, whether it's in work or relationships, because I've been through a lot, is that you want to say that you did your best and that you put everything you could into what you believed in. That doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself and that you, you know, don't have certain thresholds that you just never cross. You want to make sure that you're taking care of, you know, your rent and other things that you have commitments to in life. But, you know, it's okay to to stretch things a little bit if you have a plan and you really believe in what you're doing. I mean, it sounds like there's people who are really into what you're doing. I don't know how you're marketing your business. I would say making sure you get it out there in front of other people and seeing what their responses would be really important. But after a little while, you know, if it's taking a lot of your time and you're capable of of other things, I mean, if you're creative, I'm sure there's other ways that you can find creativity and, and, and stability. I would say sometimes that's better than having what you want. Like I wanted to be a photographer. And if I was one, I think being a freelance photographer would have been really difficult for a long time. And I would have had a lot of student debt. And, you know, I found a way to combine my creative talents into what didn't really feel that but, you know, at the end of the day, it was an eBay store. Nobody says, I want to be an artist and starts an eBay store, really. But I was able to have creative outlets with what I ended up doing. And you can do that with anything. So no matter what, if you frame things that way, you'll always win. I would say when you're when you stop being able to take care of your yourself um, with, you know, pushing so hard to to make something happen, that's when you have to take a, a really hard look in the mirror. All right, our next question is from Sherry in Buffalo. Hi, Sophia. My name is Sherry. Uh, I'm in Buffalo, New York. Um, and I actually had a question. Um, I am uh, wondering if you have any fresh ideas about setting up networking dates uh, with folks after you meet them at an event um, or something. I know you've talked about how awkward networking can be. Um, but I'm talking about, you know, after you've met someone, um, you've made that connection and you want to get to know them, uh, usually you say, hey, let's do coffee sometime. But I'm wondering, um, for instance, myself, I'm low income. So it's not easy for me to say to everybody, hey, you know, let's get coffee and then, you know, buy them a coffee and buy myself a coffee. So I'm just wondering, you know, if there are any ways that you can, um, you know, ask someone to kind of get together and, uh, you know, talk about, um, you know, whatever it is that you're, um, you know, trying to do without spending money. So I would love to hear your ideas on this topic. Thank you so much. Okay, so a few things. I don't exactly know your position. I would say that when you do generous things for other people or even when you invest in maybe just a coffee cup for yourself, you're investing in your own future. You're stopping to say this is worth like four or five bucks or however much expensive ass coffee is these days. And if you just do that a couple times a month, yeah, it's the price of Netflix. But, you know, do you really need Netflix? And shame on me because <laughs> I hope you watch Girl Boss on Netflix. Um, I would say you're investing in yourself when you do that. If you can't afford that, I would propose a Skype call or a phone call and just say, hey, I'd love to jump on the phone with you sometime and just talk about what we can do together, what you've learned from what you're doing and vice versa. 
And, you know, when you're talking to someone who's not like a super, super senior star who you just want advice from, when you're really just networking um, with peers, just because you ask someone to meet you for coffee does not mean that you have to pay for it. So you shouldn't feel expected to pay for things when it's a shared exchange. Um, I'll always pay for things, you know, when I'm just sitting with someone and talking only about myself and asking them questions because – that happens a lot because I'm always lost on something. But I would say where you can, you know, move things around so you can, you know, afford a face-to-face. And if you can't, if you know them well enough or you have a mutual friend, maybe meet at somebody's office or, you know, propose a Skype or phone call. I think that's pretty normal just to get to know people a little bit. And maybe the second time you guys meet, you'll be in a position to afford coffee. All right. Our next question is from Kendra. Hey, Sophia. This is Kendra Aronson. So nice to chat with you. <laughs> um, you recently featured me on girlboss.com, which is so exciting. My name is Kendra Aronson, and I recently self-published my first cookbook. When is the time to hire a person to help you out? I know with your story, it just physically was not possible for you to do everything, to buy all the clothes, take all the photos, make sure all the shipments go out on time. And so you needed physically a person there with you helping. I run my own creative studio. I do writing, photography, graphic design, and web design. I'd really love to hire someone who could help out with a lot of admin tasks. And I just don't know where to find someone who's really jazzed on doing those sorts of tasks and lives locally. So thanks so much for the inspiration. Talk soon. Bye. I remember you. I've seen seen you on the website. Um, and I think I have a copy of your book. Congratulations. So I remember hiring my first few employees. There was a few people who were there before my official official first employee that were very part-time interns, you know, paid mostly paid, (laughs) who one, I think I found at a Starbucks. She worked at Starbucks and I just thought she was super cool. And I I said, hey, do you have a few extra days a week to, you know, come help me out with shipping and packing? It was all the exact same stuff. And so I think when you have a personal relationship with somebody, I mean, hopefully not your best friend, but just somebody that you like being around who is interested in what you're doing, you know, you can always recruit people that are strangers. And so whether it's at Starbucks or Boston Market or you know, your your local library, there's somebody who's going to be excited about what you're doing. Actually, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are excited about what you're doing. So I think don't underestimate how big of a success like you already are. Because um, there's lots of people out there who just want, you know, hands-on exposure to what a small business is really like. Because, you know, maybe someday they'll have their own and they can get paid to learn what it's like to be inside your company. That's a pretty smart thing for people to do. I mean, I used Craigslist, so I think Craigslist is still a place where you can find people. All the big career sites are usually for bigger companies. Yeah, and I would just phrase, you know, your job posting something like in a way that makes it clear that it's a really small business and that it's like a fun, intimate environment and that you want someone who's, you know, excited about publishing and and ideally food and, you know, they have an opportunity to learn and be exposed to some of your expertise um, because that's a huge perk. So in terms of what to ask them, I would say it's usually pretty basic stuff. You can gauge if someone's excited about something and then it's a matter of, 
Can you come on the days that you need to come? Do you have a car? Can you get there? Um, you know, are you in town regularly or do you just like bail with a moment's notice a lot? You know, sometimes when you're hiring at that level, it's the really common sense stuff that you have to ask people because they do go in and out of jobs um, at like the entry level quite quite a bit sometimes. So best of luck. All right. That was another episode of Girl Boss Radio. We'll be back next week, so please tune in. Our producers, Shara Morris. Thanks also to Odelia Rubin, Kristen Meinzer, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. To stay in touch with all things Girl Boss, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Girl Boss. On Facebook, we're Girl Boss Inc., and a lot of great things are happening there. Sign up for a newsletter, Girl Boss Diary, at girlboss.com, and start reading girlboss.com because there's a lot of exclusive, great, tangible uh, advice being published there every day. Um, and you can follow me at Sophie Amoruso pretty much everywhere the social media is. You guys, I hope Girl Boss Radio uh, helps you to achieve your goals. So please help us achieve ours. Share your love for the podcast on social and follow us on iTunes. Thanks also to the band Phases for our theme song. I'm Sophia Amoruso. Talk to you next